Philippians chapter 2, we're, we're talking this month basically, or at least part up until our uh, Back to Church Sunday, about uh, our faith and in the workplace. And not necessarily in the way that we always think about that. We, I did talk last week about sharing our faith and being salt and light and everything in the place that you work. I believe God has put you where you are on purpose. And if you're retired, God has seen you through life this far on purpose. As I mentioned last week, that just means that you're freelance. You get to go out and decide the things that you're going to do. And God is is calling you to decide on the things that bring him honor and glory and build up his kingdom. And that may not mean that everything happens, you know, in a church building or in a program. In fact, I didn't mention this last week, but if you saw you version, you know, it was in there. You notice I mentioned no programs last week, and you'll notice that I don't do that very often at all. Here's why. When you read the book of Acts, you don't read a book of programs. You read a book of changed hearts of people who went out and were salt and light. Programs are what we like other people to do so that we can put it in a brochure and say, my church does this. Oh, you do that? No, no, no. My church does this. Ministry is what every Christian does in the context into which God has put them. Now, guess which one of those brings more honor to God? Not that programs can't be good and not that they don't do good ministry. They're a tool through which people minister. But if your first instinct is always, is there a program for that? You are missing opportunities right and left to be a faithful servant of God where he has put you and planted you. Okay, uh, church, unlike Burger King, is not drive through with value meals where you just pick a number. Uh, I'm, that that was that was a little soapbox. Let me move over to this one here. And I remembered the word for that. Curly and I were having coffee the other day and I couldn't remember the word soapbox and or words. I don't know. Is it compound? I couldn't even remember. And I, I think I said, I'm about to get on one of my boxes that you talk on. I could not. I couldn't remember what in the world that thing was called. So I'll just move over to this other box that you talk on. And you're like, James has too many boxes already. I'm a box hoarder of things to talk on. I think some of you are, too. So um, let me get on this one over here. If you are looking for a church, whether this is the one you find or not, you may be watching online and, and be several states or half a world away. Let me encourage you to do this. If you go to a church and everything about that church is awesome, But you sit there and go, but I was hoping they had a program. Run from that thought. I think that's Satan trying to mess with you. You're going to overlook some of the best churches in the world because they didn't have a Burger King value meal already set up for you. And you were hoping to just press a box and push a number and ask for a meal. All the time, all the time, we will have people that will say, oh, I absolutely loved it there, but we were looking for... And it's always it's always a certain size of program, right? It's always a cookie cutter thing that they saw on the Internet and thought that would be great. And so they end up not being anywhere. Well, that didn't really make a lot of sense, does it? But they end up not being anywhere or not quite finding what they're looking for. Let me encourage you to do this, because here's what happens. Go ahead and be if they're healthy and they're biblical and they're in the spirit and all of those things. Be there anyway. Don't worry about that they didn't have a program. Here's why. God may be using you to be the one to build up the ministry you wish they had. I'll give you an example right here in this room. You're like, oh, no, he's going to talk about me. No, I'm really not. But a, a, a circumstantial evidence in this room. So I hear quite often 
things about, uh, well, you know, if, if only we would go there, but, you know, the, the youth group wasn't this big or this class wasn't this big or this, this wasn't this big. Well, no, we're a small church. Of course it wasn't that big. That would be odd for us to have, you know, be awesome, but to have 490 kids in a youth group at a church this size would be a little bit odd, right? Like mathematically odd. If all those people who have said that over the last five years had come anyway, do you know what we would have? Off the top of my head, 25 extra kids in the youth group. But they went on because it just wasn't quite what they expected. Now, that's not blaming or fussing or anything. That's just honest truth. I think sometimes things like that need to be said out loud so that we acknowledge that, you know what? Sometimes we, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the people that didn't go and went somewhere else or whatever. I'm talking about us. Sometimes we, because we're the people making that choice. Sometimes we're the reasons things don't exist that we wish existed. So keep that in mind as we go through this lesson today. All of that is off. Well, it's not off the timer, but it's off my off my thing. But I think it's something that needs every now and then we need to be reminded. Sometimes God is not looking for you to join something that's already happening. He's looking to you to be something he wants to happen. Okay, so uh, write write that one down, because I think that was. Not me. All right. What are we talking about today? The spirit at our workplace. Okay. That was why I had the little, the little addition there with the spirit at work, but I want it to be the spirit where you work, whether you're retired and just working in places you volunteer, like Meals on Wheels, whatever. Let the spirit work where you are and where God has planted you. And I want to look at some things that actually are more, if attitudinal is not a word, it should be, that are more attitudinal today. Everybody fusses about customer service, okay, and that it's not what it used to be. And I think that's sometimes when people say, well, you know, that's not what it used to be. Sometimes it's actually good that things aren't what they used to be. And sometimes that's just nostalgia and things we didn't actually used to be quite as good as we remember them. But in this particular case, yeah, I don't think that's just nostalgia. Uh, Customer service isn't what it used to be or even what it could be or actually what it is in some places. Um, it's kind of funny. You, you say the word China right now, and because of politics, people's things just automatically go negative. But it's a country that contains the largest chunk of the people in the world, and a lot of them are your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we look at this at the human level. Uh, when I went to China several years ago, just as part of a trip to Cambodia, just passing through, I got to uh, tour around the city and everything. And I will say this. Things shocked me. There were these stereotypes of what probably a communist China, Chinese city might look like and what it actually was. And those two things were so very different. Just understand that people are people no matter where you go and that families are families no matter where you go. And don't confuse political rhetoric with real realities on the street anywhere. You don't want, believe me, you don't want people thinking of you what they think of America in other places because it's just as off in the wrong direction and in the same way. Okay, so that's true. So one of the things that that I noticed was one, it just surprised me uh, how easy it was to get around, how friendly the people were. Very helpful. I found all kinds of good advice talking with people. There were more people that spoke English than I expected and all of those kinds of things. And this was in a huge millions of people in a huge city that has a lot of international trade and has for almost as long. Well, actually, that particular city has had. American trade since America started and things like that. In fact, there were colonies here doing business there before all of this. Okay, going way back. 
So they've had interaction a long time. And just what impressed me was this. Customer service was awesome everywhere I went. Everywhere I went. Same thing is true in Cambodia, by the way. And just very friendly, very helpful. Uh, it, and I just, the first time I ever went over there in both countries, I came back and told Tanya, I said, we think customer service is dead. It's not. It's just in another zip code. I was shocked by how well I was treated and how, how easy everything was. By the way, I also found this. If you're looking for all the missing capitalists, they're in little shops in that Chinese city of Guangzhou. My goodness, they were trying. I never bought so much candy in my life and I didn't even want candy. Okay. They, they put the sale on. And let me tell you, I lived, I lived in, in Russia right after the communist Soviet Union fell and there weren't capitalists very often in those stores. They did, couldn't care less if you were there because they still had that old Soviet mindset of, I don't have to help you to get paid. So, you know, it was that sort of a thing. It, it was impressive. But often what we get is this, right? Uh, I don't know if all of y'all can see the picture, but they're sitting there. There's a long, long line at this desk. I have no idea what kind of a business this is. And it says, one moment, please. I'm looking up your account. And do you see what this is? Y'all figured that out, right? Solitaire, which also tells you they're running windows. That's so sad. But it's solitaire. Now, here's the thing about this picture and why I shared this meme. This is how we feel like we're being treated a lot, is it not? You're talking to somebody on the phone. Sometimes when you're in line, you can't see the screen. You not feel like this is what's happening. Sometimes this is what's happening. I went to a tax office, county tax assessor's office in Troy, New York. I know somebody was here was like, don't be talking about my cousin. I'm not. It's fine. Okay. so I went to the tax office in Troy, New York. And what I was wanting to talk to them about was at the time, this is years and years ago, probably nearly 20. Wow. Nearly 20 years ago. And. I was wanting to get, just like here, you know, you want to get the homestead exemption so your property taxes won't be so bad, right? At that time, their property taxes were way higher than I Now we've caught up, uh, but now mine are higher here. But I went to go and make sure I could get that exemption. There was a uh, something about, I don't remember, something about the deed and the mortgage that I wanted to make sure this is right and blah, blah, blah to qualify. And I'm standing there at the window. Now, it didn't look like this because they weren't even walking over to the counter. Okay, this worker was nearly as far away from me as John across the office. There were three of them and their desks were on the other side of the room. And there's a counter here and I'm there and they got the little bell like at the little old hotel in the 1970s. And so, you know, ding, I hit the bell. I hate hitting the bell. Okay, to me, once I've hit the bell, you've already failed because you should have seen us over here. Right. But I hit the bell. I feel like I'm, you know, I don't know why. Do you ever feel guilty about things? There's no reason you should feel guilty about. I always feel guilty about hitting the bell. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rush it. But anyway, ring the bell. Clickety click looks up. Mm. Like, really? Eventually, she stops whatever she was doing. Eventually. And then she doesn't even get up from the desk. She was able. It wasn't anything like that. She doesn't get up from the desk. Like, what? What? So I asked my question. Nah, you don't get that. Like I don't get the exemption. Nah, you don't get that. And I'm like, well, I'm looking at the list of things I'm pretty sure I do. No, no, no. And that was it. That was as far as she was going to go. That was it. There was no talking. There was no bargaining. There was no pleading. There was nothing. On my way out, I glanced back and I can catch this screen. The angle was just right from on my way over here at this part of the room. Whole time she's typing and telling me no. 
It was solitaire. It was solitaire. I was not happy. What is my opinion of Rensselaer County Tax Assessor's Office right now, do you think? I don't even have to write a Yelp review, do I? You know exactly what I think. It also works the other side, doesn't it? Sometimes you're the worker. Tomorrow you may be at your work, at your business, at your, at your doctor's office, at your school, whatever, wherever you interact with your peoples. And you may be trying to deal with something. And you're being kind and you're being nice and all of that stuff. And there's this. They're sitting there going, well, the service is awful. But then when you try to be nice, what are they back? Awful. They won't even talk to me. Well, have you looked at yourself? You know, you're like, oh, don't talk to me. And so why would they be any kinder? Why would they be any nicer? It, it works both ways. I thought about sharing a whole bunch of stories from out in the world about horrible customer service things. But the few that I saw were so depressing. I thought, why put people through this? Why even do that? So I, I shared you my county tax assessor, and that's as icky as I want to feel this morning. It just gets bad. So then if you're one of those people who has to deal with customers, by the end of the day, this might be you. I love this. I don't know why, but I love this picture. This is the way some of you look when it comes to lunchtime after church. I don't know if you all know this, but this is what a few of you look like. But you just you're ready to be done with people. Right. So somebody with a T-shirt the other day says, I can't people anymore. You know, it just that's the way people feel because they're done. It's usually because they've had one of these interactions that just goes badly. You know, what? I'm going to tell I'm going to tell one more quick story because I had edited it out and I'm editing it back in. My mother, it's my mother's story. I love this story. She's a te- retired teacher. She taught second grade at the time. So you, you, might, have, you might have already had this. I don't know. Um, she had a student, a little boy, who came to school one day while my mother was home sick or out of town or something. And there was a substitute. This little boy had like half a bottle of cologne on. And it was actually turning the stomachs of the other kids in the classroom. And so the substitute said... I need you to go in to wash that off, and please, tomorrow, do not wear cologne to school. Okay? That's all right. That's within a teacher's purview, within her wisdom, within her classroom, or his room classroom, to do. So, the substitute said, no, please don't do that tomorrow. Well, the next day, the substitute wasn't there. My mom was back at work. And the father comes in. Now, it's important that detail that you know that at the time, this, uh, this father was one of the biggest drug dealing guys in San Angelo. Now, I don't mean like he was a dealer. I mean, he ran the dealers. OK, he was he was in in the drug cartel there and and they all knew this. OK, it wasn't a real big secret. He didn't feel like he needed to keep it a big secret. He liked the intimidation that came with it. And he comes in and starts talking to my mother. Well, my mother doesn't even know what happened the day before yet. She hasn't read all about all this in the notes. She doesn't know what's going on. He comes in. He walks up to my mother and he says, smell me. She said, and my mother, if you know my mother, she's already going. And so she's like, what? And he goes, I want you to smell me. She's like, I'm not going to smell you, sir. And, And she says, or he says, you will smell me and you will smell that I smell good. And she's like, sir, I don't know what we've got going on, but I'm not smelling you. What can I help you with? He says, yesterday, my son was here and you told him that he stunk and needed to wash it off and needed to come back without any cologne. And I want you to smell me. 
And she said, well, I'm still not going to smell you, but I wasn't here. If the sub said it was too much, it was too much. It is never too much. He starts getting offended. It is never too much. I paid $500 for that bottle of cologne and it smells good and I will put it on my son. And he's all upset and everything. And my mother was just like, this is the in her head. She's like in an SNL skit. She's like, what is this? And then she's, of course, the whole time she's thinking, and this is this drug dealer guy. Am I going to get hit out in the car? What's about to happen here? And so all of that went on in the end. That all worked out fine. But people come to you with expectations that can be out of this world and they just ruin your day and you don't know how to deal with them. So how is a Christian, whether you were the one who's on the in this case, the complaining side or whether you're the one who's on the uh, customer service side, on the, the teacher side, the feedback side, the doctor's office side, how do you deal with this stuff? It's a shame we don't just open this up because some of you probably could tell me some good ideas of how to deal with this. But we're going to go through a few here that we see in Scripture. It starts like always with Jesus. So we're going to start here in Philippians chapter 2, looking at what his attitude was in general and get some things. So I want to start in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or, or conceit. I want to say vain conceit because that's the old NIV. But in humility, count, your, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the human likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God was highly exalted or has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my present but presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Look at verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Okay, big chunk, but lots there. We won't even look at all of this today, but there's just a lot there. Go back home, read it again, see the attitudes that he tells us to have. That last one I pointed out, verse 14, is huge when it comes to our attitude. And we'll come back to that here in just a second. But first, oh, that's ahead. That's going to go back. First, there is this. We have to prime our attitudes. This is what I want you to encourage you to think about. You know, if you've, if you've got a water pump, you have to prime the pump. You've got to go ahead and put water in there a little bit so that it will actually have the suction it needs, the vacuum it needs to be able to pull that through. You do that in pool care or in your car, things like that. You know what I'm talking about, water pump. So you prime the pump. This is the way our attitude works. This is the way Mondays work. Monday will be tomorrow. And I know this feels cliche, but it's not cliche. Monday will be tomorrow what you expect it to be today. What you go to bed feeling about it is most likely to be 
what it's going to be. Now, there are exceptions. There are times you think it's going to be great and it's not. There are times that you think it's going to be horrible and it turns out okay. But in general, your attitude determines a lot about how you react to the things that come up tomorrow. And so your attitude has everything to do with how tomorrow is going to go if the Lord gives you tomorrow. So prime the pump. What I mean by that is set yourself up with a better attitude about what tomorrow is going to be. You can't control everybody else. That's true. You will not be able to control all the circumstances. But, just to quote Viktor Frankl again, the greatest of human freedoms is that you get to determine your reaction to any set of circumstances at any given time. You get to determine how you're going to respond. It's the greatest of human freedoms. So how will you respond? So start praying, start thinking about tomorrow through the view of how will God work? What will God accomplish? How can the Spirit help me through? Maybe you know there are going to be some challenges. Maybe you know there are going to be some things that are hard. That can't be changed sometimes. But I can change my attitude about it. Do that ahead of time. Because, again, how you go into a situation determines how that situation goes in so many ways. How many of you have, you don't have to show of hands because it's probably nearly everybody, but do you not have these conversations in your head where you start imagining how tomorrow's, you're starting, okay, it's almost Monday, I'm going to do this and this and this, and you start having imaginary conversations with your head. They're going to say this and I'm going to respond this way and blah, 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 blah. Satan has fun in that little playground, does he not? Because you imagine yourself decking people right and left some Mondays because of things that you imagined that they will say that they never have said, never would say, and never will say, but you're already mad about them, even though they, didn't, they, don't, they don't know, but you're mad at them about the things you imagined that they were going to do or imagine that they were going to say because you primed the pump, but you primed it with all the wrong ideas. You started thinking about, well, if they say this, I'm going to say that. Well, why did you do that? Most of us got enough smart alecky in us. We, don't, we can do that on the fly. Why were you preparing? Could you not instead prime those conversations for? Even if they say this, here's how I'm going to try and be like Jesus. Not here's how I'm going to get him back. Not here's how I'm going to show them. Here's how I'm going to be like Jesus. Jesus. Prime your pump with that kind of an attitude. And that's what's in verse 3. Don't go in selfish ambition, vain conceit. I'll show them. Go in instead what? Humility. Maybe they're reacting to you that way because you don't know what they've been dealing with and that happens, right? Go in with an attitude that is humble. Don't go in with an attitude of, they better have it just the way I like it or I'm going to let them have it. Well, that's verse 4. But that's looking to your own interest and not caring about the other. Instead, be grateful they're even there. Number two, do this. Put your phone down. I, I thought that would get an amen for sure. Right? But some of y'all didn't put your phone down. You didn't even hear it. You see, that's the problem. Put your phone down and engage. Why is this in this list? Philippians didn't say anything about putting my phone down. Yes, it did. Did you see verse 4? Look not only to your own candy crush interests, but also to the real 
needs of the person right in front of you, right? It was right there. I see it. I don't know what y'all are. I see it, but it's right there in verse 4. Three L's. Look, listen, and learn. To do that, you've got to put your phone down. To do that, you've got to put your ego down. To do that, you've got to put your agenda down. To do that, you've got to put your pride down. But look at what's around you. Look at who's around you. Listen. Sometimes the person you primed yourself to be upset with actually just needed your patience or needed your kindness. Maybe so. Maybe they just needed you to leave the room, which you're happy to do. <laughs> you know, whatever it was, maybe they just needed some of those things. So look, listen, and learn what really is going on here. And is there a better way this can be handled? And can it be done through you in a Jesus way? Don't go into the room expecting everybody else to bend around you. Instead, go into the room saying, Jesus, here am I. Use me right here. I don't know what's going on, but clearly something's going on. Help me to deal with this in a way that's okay. And that may be as much as you get to ask. You may not even do the big ask of, Jesus, help me to do this in a way that just changes their life forever. Yeah, just help me to get through this one okay. Maybe moving mountains. So be, be satisfied with that. But look and listen and learn. So many times, isn't that the problem with the, with the solitaire person? Big screen's no different than a phone, is it? It's not any different. It's just like the person who, you, you may be going out to talk to your dad and he won't put the wrench down long enough to hear what's going on in your life. That's not different, okay? That's still the same issue. That's just like the solitaire. It's just a wrench and an oil pan instead. Stop what you're doing for a second. Show the other person that you value them and listen and learn. And you might be surprised what changes. I've seen that happen so many times. Good friends that are only good friends because at some point just stopped and listened and they got it off their chest and then it's like, oh, okay, well now I understand. You're not the cranky caricature people thought you were. You just like the lion in that Aesop's fable, you had a thorn in your paw and you needed help removing it. Look, listen, and learn. I'm going to kind of circle back in a way on this one. And uh, I want us to go over to Romans 12. So go ahead and get your Bible over there. Romans chapter 12. We're looking at three different verses, 10, 14, and 18. Ah. As I said, this is kind of related to the priming of the pump. Before you get to the circumstance, you already need to be prayed up, humble, and had your attitude kind of aligned to the attitude of Christ to be better. But it goes a little deeper than that. You also sometimes got to let, inform your heart that you have decided to make this change, right? Yes, I want to have a good attitude. And heart, I'm talking to you. That sort of a thing. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And oh boy, right? James chapter 3 says that taming of the tongue is a tough one. You, you can train a cat. I, I have a friend named Leonid in Russia uh, who was a circus trainer for house cats. I didn't even know you could do that. That's like herding cats, actually. And uh, he was able to do it. He had to be a very patient person, I would think. The tongue is the same way. 
It can be hard. If you're blessed with a quick wit, that's, that's a curse and a blessing, isn't it? So, let's look at this. Romans, I'm actually going to go back to verse 9. Let love be genuine. Let it be genuine. Don't fake it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Well, what does that look like? Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The person on the other end of the line. I found that customer service works so much better when you've got to call it and you call them with a good attitude and you're patient and you're kind. If you say things to them like, listen, I know this is not your problem, uh, but could you help me out here? It's amazing how people, that tension, that defensiveness that can be there from tones will start to melt. If you go in with... These people are no good. I'm not going to be able to understand. They're not going to listen to me. They're blah, 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 blah. And you've already primed your pump to be ugly because they're going to be ugly. Guess what kind of an experience you're going to have? I was listening to somebody the other day. They were talking about how they were uh, going through this circumstance. And, you know, a couple of bad bumps in the road did happen. But their attitude about the whole thing was just absolutely horrible. And when you sat and listened to the story, you're sitting there going, do you realize if you'd gone into this with a different attitude, none of this would have happened. So then who's really at fault? But in our pride, we will still blame the other people. But there's a reason none of that stuff happens to other people. It happens to you over and over and over again because you have primed your pump and prepared your attitude for things to be horrible. And then it is self-fulfilling prophecy. And because of your attitude, they're on defense. So then what happens? Just react, 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 react. If you are a peacemaker who sows in peace, I got that phrase from some really good book sometime. I wish I could remember the author. Uh, but if you're a peacemaker who sows in peace, you ever wonder why the peacemakers in your life seem to just, they just seem to be able to get things done more easily. You think it could be connected? You ever wonder why the, the peacemakers in your life always seem to get better results out of, out of customer service and customers, coworkers? You think it could be connected? It is. It is. It's because they went in with a different attitude. So prepare yourself. That was verse 10. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Maybe it is bad customer service. Listen, I had a guy. Oh, my word. I had a guy with, uh, I won't say who it was, but orbits. And they, oh, my goodness, were horrible. All my other experiences with them had been good. But this one day... Oh, it was one of those where you're, I was praying because it was spiritual warfare going on inside of me to have to try and be patient with this person. And I was very firm. I will say I had to be very firm with this guy because of the way that he was just being he was being dishonest. He was saying, well, the hotel says this. And I'm like, well, I'm standing. The hotel people were awesome. That was Hampton. They were awesome right there. And. I'm like, well, they're right here and they're saying that you have to change this. Oh, no, we're not allowed to change that. I said, well, let me speak to your supervisor and maybe he or she will change it. He says, well, I don't have a supervisor. Oh, really? Orbitz just gave you a phone and a computer and said, run the company. Really? Now, it was hard for me not to be that big a smart aleck. And I might have been, but I didn't say that out loud. It can be tough. But this verse is still here. And so, I, I, sometimes you've got to be firm, but in the end, bless those 
who persecute you in customer service or bad customers or whatever, find a way to blessing. Blessing them may be you hang up and pray for their souls. I don't know. Sometimes a day they're like, listen, I'm going to maybe that's how you end the phone call with. Listen, I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Hang up the phone. That may be the only way to keep yourself out of trouble. I don't know. But then really do it. And don't not. Not one of those psalms like David. David got off a of customer service and said, dash their head against the rocks. Do not be like that. Okay? Pray for their healing. Pray for their spirit. It may be that they've had what you've had just from somebody right before you. So, you know, bless them. Bless them. It's not always easy. You might say, bless their hearts. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let's jump down to verse 18. And if possible, if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. That's a tough one, isn't it? If possible. I read this and you know what I know? Paul understands our life. It's not always easy and it can be really difficult and sometimes it's not even possible. But when it's possible, be at peace with everybody. Everybody. So go tomorrow, ready to be at peace with the person that annoys you the most. Assume that all of that work will be on your part. Do not resent that. Look at it as an opportunity and a blessing from God that maybe you can make some headway. Maybe you can help them through something that they're going through that you don't understand. And that's this last part. Hack up your pants and get to work. I don't know if we use that saying anymore, but it seems like we probably need to, right? Both in the hike up your pants. I'm not going to sing pants on the ground, but hike up your pants and get to work. What do I mean by that? I mean what John said in chapter 3, verse 18. Let's not just love in word or talk. Don't just talk good attitude. Don't just post little memes on, on Facebook that are nice and positive. Do it. Hike up our pants and get to work. Show people a better way. Be the customer service that, that you'd like the whole world to see. Be the customer that you'd like the whole world to see. Be the neighbor, be the friend, be the person, be the Christian, be the disciple that is like Jesus wherever you are. Let's stand.